Well, hello out there, dear listeners. Now I know what you're saying. Where the hell have you been, man? Don't tell me the wasteland was enough to take you down. Now we all know that isn't true, and shame on you for thinking it. But I did go all dead air there for a while. I had good reasons, so hear me out. Have any of you ever seen flesh-eating mold? You know, the strange little motes of pure nightmare that hang out around the scrub springs? Well, if you haven't seen them, Consider yourself lucky. I had a whole family of those buggers move in on me in the middle of the night. Let me set you the scene. See, the place I was at before, while not exactly the high life, was bigger than any facility I had ever come across. We are talking full compound buildings with underground jennies running some kind of setup like I've never seen, and three, yes three, radio towers. Now when I saw those babies up close, Almost fully intact, well, I shed a little tear. Then I settled myself right in and made a safe little hideaway. Got a few shows ready for you fine folks, and wouldn't you know it, those damn bandits settled in. Some of the guzzless crew. Stranger than settle outside their old gas stations. They love those relics like some sort of temples they do. But they were digging my new place pretty well. Now I've roomed with bandits before, right under their noses. And this time shouldn't have been any different. See, while they roamed about the lower levels, I kept to the higher, top buildings. Dangerous, sure. But what is it these days, eh? Well, those old fuckers broke into some sealed room in the lowest of the low. Unleashed more of that mold than shit has flaws. Ate up the ones that were down there to bones before spreading up. Now, I don't fancy myself anybody's lunch. And let me tell you, those blighters were hungry. Went through the entire group in a single day, made it to me after covering pretty much the whole place. I managed to avoid touching the stuff, but lost all the clothes I had. So there I was, running through the sands as naked as the day my mother gave birth to me. Was a damn sight, I tell you. Truly something. Well, I made my way back to that little camp I used to have. New clothes and some much-needed water later, I was fresh as morning, but I'd left all my equipment behind. Tapes I'd scrounged up over the years. Lost. I won't lie to you, that hurt. And for a while, I thought about giving it up and let the airwaves keep singing that static. But I was made to be in front of a microphone. And those dials kept calling me back. So I went on the hunt again, found a massive stash of tapes of some pretty good quality, followed a lead from my boy in Wormtown, thanks Rodney by the way, and ended up here. Now it is in some awful shape on the outside, but like a girl you want to marry, it's the inside that counts. And boy, is it beautiful. Scraped enough parts together and salvaged a few more to get the station up and running again. Range is a little off, but if that old relay still works, I can boost the signal for you northern listeners. Also, you hear that? That is the sound of sweet, sweet heaven. Old world coffee, a drink from the past, lovingly protected in a sealed box of goodies, Now, I have sampled this black dream before, and I thought that would be the last of it. But here we are. It is a regular resurgence of goodness around here. I knew you could all use some more of that. Ah, listen to me rattle on. Let's get the show on the road, as they say. To kick off the relaunch, why don't we start with something sweet-smelling? To entice and allure you a little closer. Here's 
the smell of honey. I hate the smell of honey. To this day, it turns my stomach. How what you thinking? How can you hate such a faint, sweet smell? See, it's not faint to me. It reeks. I could smell it in teas and cakes, and God, the cereal aisle sours my guts. It wasn't always like that, though. I used to be normal. Girlfriend, job, the whole shebang. I used to be able to sleep at night, too. It all started when my damn brother broke his leg. It was the funniest thing, and I wish to God I could have been there to see his fat ass miss the top step and tumble down the stairs. Would have looked just like that boulder chasing down Indiana Jones. See, he was heading back down to the living room after enjoying a tub of rocky road in bed. I guess he turned his head up and up into the carton to get the last bit of sugary goodness and misjudged how close the stairs were. Compound fracture with a shitload of torn ligaments, out of commission for the foreseeable future. Normally, I would just made a joke about how they should just put him down, but the timing of that break couldn't have been worse. See, my brother had just gone in with me on a vacation place, a little cabin on the edge of Lake Wobash. The old girl was run down and needed a lot of TLC, but the location was worth every penny to fix her up. Every penny I had fronted. See, my brother and me had a deal. I put the down payment on the place, and he'd fit the bill for the fix-up. We'd be spending around the same amount once everything was said and done. With him being a halfway decent carpenter, I thought this was a pretty damn fine deal. Now, I either had to let the place sit for God knows how long, all the while making the monthly payments, or find myself someone who could do the repairs on my brother's budget, which, thanks to his astronomically high doctor's bill, was about as big as an ant's dick. I decided to go and see the place in person to assess just how much work would need to be done. My brother had been the one to do the first walkthrough, and the photos he had sent me hadn't filled me with much hope. But maybe it wasn't that bad, though. Maybe I could get to the place and get it up and running myself. It was a shithole. I mean a grade A dump. Looked like something out of a demilitarized ghetto. All four walls had somehow managed to stay standing, sans windows. The roof was riddled with holes. The front porch was basically a bunch of rotten wood, and the floor in the back room had completely caved in. It wasn't all bad news, though. The main supports and the foundation seemed to have held up. I didn't care about any of that my first visit, though. All I could see was my bleeding wallet. So there I was, the proud owner of a new ruin. My brother lamented the whole thing as well and cursed his luck, which was, to be fair, also my luck. After a few weeks of crunching numbers and stewing, I got a call from him. Claimed he might have sorted out a solution to this fine mess but I was going to have to have a little faith. This young kid had apprenticed under him a few summers back. He was fresh out of Votek and had more pimples than brains, but he was willing to start in the place, and my brother had convinced him to do the work for next to nothing. I felt a little bad about the deal. Bro was taking him for a ride because he knew the kid didn't know any better, but it was a hell of a deal. I rationalized it to myself, figured the kid wasn't experienced and wasn't worth full price anyway. Still had a bad taste in my mouth. Met the kid at the cabin, and right away there was a problem. See, you couldn't drive up to the place. The road was overgrown to hell and back, as was the whole area around it. Nature had reclaimed almost every inch. Massive brambles, thorn bushes, grass as tall as your hip, and saplings choked the place. 
The kid seemed nice enough, but he made it clear he wasn't a gardener. I'd have to give him some room and a way to get his tools here. I suggested I'd rent a boat and bring him over dockside, which was much less overrun, but he turned as white as a sheet. Said if God had wanted him to be in the water, he'd given him gills. It was no dice. Driver bust. So I told him to come back in a week and call the work. I had almost three months worth of vacation time saved up, but it still burned my biscuits to blow a week last minute. After I picked up some supplies from the house, my double tent and camping gear, I headed into town and rented some heavy-duty bushwhackers. On my way out, I spotted a deal they were having on a mini chainsaw. Damn thing was cute as hell. So I picked it up and headed to the cabin to set up base camp. It was back-breaking work. Mother Nature had dug in hard and didn't want to give up any ground. I started at the crack of dawn and didn't let up until the sun was bleeding in the sky. At that pace, I actually got the whole yard and road cleaned up three days early. Not gonna lie, I was pretty impressed with myself. Decided that instead of heading back home or calling the kid to move the timetable, I'd treat myself to a bit of fishing. Enjoy at least part of what I'd tanked my savings for. I wish to God I'd just left. It took a little while, but I'd managed to find a decent fishing spot. I'd always been an odd duck. Ever since I was a little kid, I'd loved the smell of ponds and rivers. The sort of stagnant, scummy smell reminded me of simpler times. Times when I didn't have deadlines and clingy girlfriends. No bills, no stress. I didn't even care if I caught anything. It was the old rhythm. Draw and cast. The whiz as the baited hook went through the air. The plunk of it hitting the water. Draw and cast. Draw and cast. Stayed up there all day. Got a few tugs. Even managed to reel in a bluegill. Poor thing was about as thick as my thumb. A small fry if there ever was one. I tossed him back with the promise that he'd send some of his bigger brothers my way. I slept that night better than I have ever slept. I remember that. It was the last good night's sleep I would ever have. In all honesty, I had planned to go back to that spot the next morning, but after sleeping on the ground for days, I wanted to stretch out the old kinks. So, after a breakfast of bread and jam, I went for a walk. The woods around the cabin were mostly spruce, maybe an elm here and there, depending how high up the hills I was willing to go. It was all misty from the early morning dew. Nature was still in that dreamland just before waking up to the sun. A few blue jays sang to each other. A woodpecker was knocking himself silly against a tree somewhere. I couldn't help but smile at the living, breathing world around me. Then I smelled it. That earthy, sweet smell. All of a sudden, I wasn't in the woods at all. I was back at Sunday breakfast with my grandmother. She was in the kitchen filling little deep-fried balls of pancake dough with honey from one of those little plastic bears with the yellow tops. I blinked and the memory jumped away, quick as a scalded cat. It still left me a little dazed, though. I looked around for the source of the smell. No beehives in the trees. No humming, either. I even got down on my hands and knees to look at the roots jutting up here and there. Remembered something about bees nesting underground. Nothing. I tried to backtrack, but as soon as I turned away, the smell hit me even harder. So strong, it was as if I had snorted some of the golden stuff like a drug-addicted pooh bear. It was coming from somewhere deeper in the woods. Now, looking back on it with older eyes, I couldn't believe the mistakes I had made. It's like watching a horror movie and screaming at the screen, Don't go down there! As the soon-to-be victim heads to the darkened basement, 
But at the time, I was just curious. So, of course, I went deeper. The trees started to thin out 150 steps in. They also seemed to almost bend toward me as I moved closer to the source of the smell, like they were trying to turn away from something. I noticed that the grass and soil started to change with every step, became dry and brutal. The dirt dusty and cracking like something you'd see in the Arizona desert. After a little more aimless trekking, I saw it. There was a tree in the middle of a small clearing. I say small because it was more like a ring around the base of the tree where nothing grew. A four-foot-thick pocket of salted earth. The tree itself stuck out like a sore thumb. The trunk was fat and as wide as three whiskey barrels. Its bark was almost metallic-looking, with flecks of something that caught the light and made the whole tree glitter. It looked as if it were spray-painted in that flooring you see in auto body shops, only darker. The leaves were the strangest thing about it, though. Drew my attention right away. They were spirals. As if the leaves were just starting to sprout and didn't know what shape they wanted to make yet. But there were hundreds of them. Some bigger than others and all a wheat green. Their color reminded me of that drink my girl always got when we went to those Asian places. The one that smelled like flowers but tasted like piss. When I stepped over the space of dead ground, the honey smell became overpowering. My head swam, and it felt like I was on a merry-go-round set to top speed. I staggered a bit, and it had to take a while to catch my breath. Still no bees, though, and that didn't make any sense to me. Where was the honey? And it definitely was nearby. So there had to be bees, right? I looked all around the tree and craned my mech back to peer through the branches. No hive to be found, and no honey, despite the scent. I was more than a little confused and rested my hand on the sparkling bark as I wondered if I was losing my mind. I figured I must have honey on the brain, and this was my subconscious telling me I was craving the stuff. With a shake of my head, I started to turn back the way I'd come, only I couldn't. My hand was stuck to the tree. More than stuck. While I'd not been paying attention, it had sunk almost a full inch into the base of the tree. The bark wasn't solid at all, more like a membrane with the illusion of surface tension. How had I not noticed? Horrified, I watched as the tree undulated, tugging my whole hand inside it. The branches shook and the spiral leaves rained down on me. Only they weren't spirals anymore. They were long and wiggling. Little green worms that crawled as soon as they touched my body. I remember screaming, so high-pitched it would have always been comical if the tree weren't eating my hand, eating it, eating me. No matter how hard I pulled, it pulled harder and had sucked my hand up to the wrist. And it burned. God, did it burn. It was like my fist was on fire. I could actually feel the skin on my fingers blister up and burst as whatever was inside the tree ate away at my flesh. All I could think was, stomach acid. It's digesting my hand. It's eating me. It's eating me. Frantic. It's still trying to swat off those crawling worms. I was able to swing my backpack up and off my back enough to get a hold of it. It was an awkward angle, but I could just get the tips of my fingers of my free hand into the opening. As a group of those little wigglers made it under my shirt, I felt the handle of that mini chainsaw. I had not even thought to bring it, truth be told. I just stuck it in my pack and forgotten it. I started sobbing from the pain in my hand before I got the guard off. With the tiny teeth of the saw free, all I had to do was flip the power switch and pull the trigger. It was almost like holding a gun. The baby chainsaw came to life in a whine that sounded like muting lawnmowers. 
I put the spinning blades in line with my wrist and closed my eyes, not able to look at what I knew I had to do. I pressed the saw against my skin and felt my legs buckle. It split the meat and sent a fire up my arm hotter than anything I'd ever felt before. My stomach did a flip-flop when I hit the bone, and with the awful crunch, my eyes flew open and my vision tunneled. I fell back from the tree, my now-severed hand disappearing completely into it. Everything after that was reduced to a hazy bunch of snapshots. I scrambled across the ring of dead ground. The worm-like leaves stopped wiggling and fell off me all dry and brittle. I'm up against a bunch of rocks, my stump spewing blood all over the dirt. Then I came to in a hospital bed. Doc said some vacationers found me when they were taking a piss during a hike. My brother kept trying to get up with me, but I ignored him. Don't know if the kid ever showed up to work on the place. I never went back there. Let the payments on the loan lapse to the point the bank foreclosed. I got so good at telling people it was an accident. Grip slipped. I almost believed it myself. Then I'd catch a sweet smell. Maybe somebody opening up a honey bun or adding that amber ooze to a cup of tea. And it would all come back to me. It wasn't just that the thing had eaten my hand, but that I knew it had wanted to eat me. I could feel the desire to pull me into itself, digest the skin off my flesh, and melt me down inside it. Sometimes, sometimes a thought would steal into my head, mostly on sleepless nights, that it had a taste for me now. That I was a treat for it, a sweet it craved, and maybe I'd come back catch that scent again, and it could get another bite.